Welcome back, fam, to the Holistic OBGYN podcast. We are just getting rolling here in the life of this podcast, and I already am so privileged to be able to interview people like Jason and Melissa Saunders, who I brought on the show today. They're both decorated chiropractors. They both got they've got three kids at home. They've they sit on all sorts of boards between the two of them. Diplomat of Chiropractic Board of Clinical Nutrition. Diplomat of the International Board of Applied Kinesiology. Jason's currently working on his PhD in Molecular Biology at the University of Miami School of Medicine. Um, I mentioned they've got three kids, two of which came at home, so they're well-versed in the maternal and postpartum care space. They're constantly traveling, teaching their kids just about life and about being inquisitive about our bodies and about our interaction with nature. They're lovely human beings. I got the chance to meet them at the Runga Retreat in Austin, which was, when was that, in September? And they really walk the walk. They practice what they preach. And so I walk into the room there, and they're, they're offering some hyperbaric-assisted therapy sessions, 20 minutes each, and you go into a chamber, it pressurizes, your ears pop a little bit, but you sit in there, the oxygen's at higher concentration than ambient air, and you leave the chamber feeling effervescent only after 20 minutes. So I started talking to them about this technology, like, what what could this do? And I told them I'm an OBGYN, and we have gone down the rabbit hole of all of the possible implications here, PCOS, endometriosis, fertility issues, routine postpartum care. This is one of those therapies that used to be reserved for tr- terrible trauma, terrible sepsis, terrible infections, you know, like, like necrotizing fasciitis. It's like a last resort at some hospitals. Um, it was also used in, in, in um, elite athletes, you know, professional athletes who needed to recover faster. But what about the everyday care of women? Could this technology be useful? I would say it probably can. And I think that Melissa and Jason do a great job of breaking this down for you know, simpletons like me and, and trying to help me understand what this, this relatively simple technology is, is capable of doing. I didn't mention this, but you know, they're the owners of HBOT USA and they are, they are like in the center of the conversation around hyperbarics. They um, sit on uh, the, the, the board of the International Hyperbarics Association they sit on the board of the Medical Academy for Pediatric Special Needs, Age Management Medicine Group. So they're doing everything from child to maternal to postpartum to the aging, right? And they're applying the same technology with great benefits. So it is my great pleasure to bring them on the show. As you know, on this show, I like to bring some alternative voices into the space. And I am so glad to introduce to you my friends, Melissa and Jason Saunders. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Holistic OBGYN. Uh, I'm here with two very new friends of mine that I met at the Runga Retreat in Austin. Um, Doctors Saunders, that's Melissa and Jason Saunders. They are both chiropractors and they are experts in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, What's the uh, HBOC? What's the C part? HBOT. Oh, Oh, yeah. So I got it right. Okay. (laughs) HBOT. So guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Nathan. We're so excited to have more time with you. We had a blast with you at Runga, so it's really good to be here with you. Yeah, yeah, likewise. It's uh, so, so the way that we met was you guys were set up in a special studio at the Runga Retreat, which is, by the way, it's this 
it's this really like um, sort of well orchestrated super wellness retreat where there's some biohacking, there's some there's supplements, there's healthy food, there's exercise, there's you know yoga, massage, all these things. And you guys had your own little space, and you're offering hyperbaric oxygen therapy to any of the participants and other um, other uh, practitioners that were presenting yeah. there. And it was the first time I'd ever done it. It was actually really I was really impressed by it. Like I, I was even doing breath holds in there and it was like going for a minute or two minutes longer than I normally could. So it was, I was just kind of experimenting with myself, but uh, I'm curious, you know, for you guys, while you were at Runga, what were some of your takeaways? Like, like what was your, t- your, your big lesson you learned from the weekend? I mean, there were so many things. It was, so, that was our first time, you know, attending Runga and, we were blown away. You know, we love when companies really practice what they preach and everything is so congruent. And it was like, from the time you stepped on the property, I mean, I ditched my shoes. I was barefoot the whole time. You know, I feel like Runga is very much about this community and also this health-based nature submersion. Um, so, you know, we had so much access to outdoors and fresh air and it was a beautiful, beautiful property in Austin. The food, I mean, I don't think I've <clears throat> ever eaten so much. We tend to intermittent fast, but I didn't want to skip any piece of food there. It was also clean and yeah. locally sourced and <clears throat> just, you know, the fermented sourdough and the food was so good, but really, really, and obviously all the health um, adventures we got to take part in, we did our first ice bath, um, sound bowl healing and meditation. And, but really our biggest takeaway, Nathan, was the tribal community, you know, like, how important that was in a time, you know, in the last year and a half of just the world being a little bit challenging, a lot challenging to be with, you know, people, I don't even want to say all like-minded because I think we all brought something different to the table, but, you know, obviously a lot of our core values there were health-based. And so to have these deep conversations with uh, surgeons and medical doctors and OBGYNs and then you know, people in a different kind of aspect of the health space was just so, so needed and so incredible. And yeah. it was, what was it, a three-day event? event, And I yeah. feel like we formed lifelong friendships for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, it, it was a totally mixed crowd. And and I'll, I'll add to your shoeless comment. I don't think I even put a shirt on the entire weekend. It was like <laughs> yeah. one of those magical times to just be alive. Um, well, and I remember, you know, throughout the weekend when I'd run into you and I'd be checking on you for your HBOT appointment, you're like, I have no idea where my phone is. I have no idea what time it was. <laughs> and that was so amazing. And that was a big common thing we heard often too. Like people just put their phones away and yeah. just were there, which was mm. so great. Mm-hmm. You know, also just the, you know, the synergy of the different opportunities to try new things and, and then how to put that together into some tor- sort of, you know, meaningful um, system of yeah. here are the things that I know are healthy. These are the ones that are probably more important or not for me. And this is how I can start, you know, putting those kinds of things together in my life just as a, you know, as a, I don't know if it's preventative or optimization, however you want to look at it, but, you know, it gave people, you know, such a great chance to try things that are typically yeah. you know, not readily available. So that was yeah. also really awesome, I think, with the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, is you know, that was the piece that you guys were, were sort of sovereign over. And I, uh, 
I hadn't ever tried it before. I was really, I was really thoughtful about it. And then I heard you in the Q and A's and whatnot, Jason, kind of get into some of the, the science of it. And I can't say that had I not gone to an event like that, I don't think I ever would have tried it because it didn't seem to really, I heard about like high level athletes using it or, you know, people with really, really nasty, I don't know, uh, like like physical traumas like they they they're getting out of their seven hour surgery and their body's just wrecked and we're going to use some hyperbarics to help help recovery so you know i've heard of this as like this this like you know this uh sort of hospital-based technology but whenever i met you guys i realized oh this is actually something we could roll out within the women's health space which is why i asked you guys to come on the show so so jason would you mind kind of you know i'm going to name a couple this isn't going to be rapid fire, but but I actually think that the technology probably functions to serve women through a variety of, of common complaints, you know, uh, sort of under the umbrella of probably a similar explanation, right? So the common things that I'm seeing within the OBGYN world that I actually don't have the tools to fix if I'm just sticking to my allopathic toolkit are things like cyclical pelvic pain right? Which could be endometriosis. It could be adenomyosis. It could be all these other sort of inflammatory, perhaps there's some autoimmune condition that's underlying that, like endometriosis. Um, um, another one is uh, fertility issues, right? Which we know is related to any disruption in hormonal feedback pathways, whether it be the hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, adrenals, ovaries, etc. Everything, you know, and then, and then of course, like postpartum healing, you know, I mean, so we've got like all of these common complaints. And when you and I were talking, it sounds like the technology works for the same reason, uh, you know, in, in, in recovering from a car accident as it does recovering from the trauma of having a baby, um, as it does for the sort of recalibration of the hormonal system. So could you kind of share just how does this technology work and, and how could we possibly apply those mechanisms to helping women fix some yeah. of their, their issues? Yeah, I mean, so to your original point, which was, I kind of heard about this in two places. You know, elite athletes seem to want to use this for some reason. Maybe that's like a performance or recovery thing. And then we might use it in a hospital setting for, you know, a terrible accident or you know, gangrene, you know, osteonecrosis, yeah. so pretty terrible infections or, or really, really traumatic injuries, hyperbarics often used. Um, and so what that really speaks to is the fact that, you know, oxygen, oxygen's not really treat. I mean, this would be an opinion, but, you know, oxygen's not really treating, let's say in the hospital setting, gangrene directly, or, you know, treating osteonecrosis directly. You know, basically it's that, you know, the majority of our cells utilize oxygen for energy production. And that energy production is used for pretty much everything that you can think of that our body needs to do or our cells need to do. Uh, under most, you know, under circumstances that, you know, let's say you and I right now, I'm at basically at sea level, I'm getting as much oxygen as I could possibly get. If I put a pulse oximeter on my finger, you know, what am I 98% right. saturated? Right. So, you know, we don't really, we sort of overlook oxygen because I'm already getting basically as much as I could possibly get. The way this is really looked at in my mind is if, if you could supply the body with a surplus of oxygen somehow, would the body upregulate 
healing or upregulate <clears throat> cognition or upregulate recovery or performance or all the different things that it does. And so, you know, it's, it's hard in hyperbaric right now because there's a, you know, there's, uh, there's, we've been doing this for about 14 years. There's a lot more research today than there was then. 14 years. Now, you guys have yeah. been doing this for 14. Wow. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. So, you know, there's, there's a lot more research today than there was. And yet there's still, it's so hard to do, you know, let's say a double blind control randomized study for how does hyperbaric affect, you know, every one of the conditions that we could possibly talk about, you know, that it could possibly help with. And then in the end, I don't know that that's what's important. Mm. I believe what's important is really to understand if a human goes into a chamber, these are the things that happen, which we can certainly talk about. And as a result of these things happening, oxygen is upregulated in our systems. And there's basically maybe somewhere between 10 and 15 mechanisms of action of this surplus of oxygen. And if you look at those 10 to 15 mechanisms of action, you can apply that to a whole variety of conditions. So in, in the U.S., we have 14 indications that are considered standard insurance re, you know, reimbursable. And those are the things that I was saying before. That's like the, the crush injuries, the gangrene, the osteonecrosis, the necrotizing fasciitis, all these kinds of things, diabetic neuropathy. Mm -hmm. At the same time, those are, you know, these are life-threatening or limb-threatening conditions. And we, and then, and usually hyperbaric's the last resort. We've done everything else we could possibly do. Nothing's working. Let's try oxygen. And hyperbaric's got an amazing track record of really helping these people, even as a last step approach. And it's like, wait, why are we waiting so long to implement something so simple and right. so safe? Maybe if we put that a little sooner in the protocol, you know, we'd start seeing that we can avoid, you know, some of these other consequences and those same mechanisms that help with these infections that are literally limb threatening. Well, maybe they're the same mechanisms that help with these infections, right? You know, the, right. The, these mechanisms that help with growth factors, recovery, repair, and all this, maybe those are the same that happen in less severe injuries and traumas. And, you know, so at the end of the day, there's only a handful, you know, a dozen or more, mechanisms and they're the same mechanisms no matter what and everybody who goes into a chamber basically has to have those mechanisms happen because it's a chain of it's a cascade of cellular signaling that occurs when you upregulate oxygen metabolism so yeah. um, it's a pretty you know you've been in the in, in the chambers that we had at runga like it's a very benign it's very comfortable it's very safe it's very easy um, and it's very effective to create all of these amazing changes yeah, and, and just to interject, for anybody who's thinking about this, right, like you mentioned the pulse oximeter, what that is is it's device that uses, I don't know, it's probably like some sort of infrared technology, I don't even know, but it measures blood going through the capillaries of your finger, right, and actually gives you a, a, a percentage of blood cells that are saturated with oxygen. Okay. So blood cells, right, they carry oxygen from your lung capillaries around the body and deliver it to the tissues. What this is, what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, is you're laying in like a time capsule <laughs> and there's either the handsome Dr. Saunders or the other, the beautiful Dr. Saunders. They're, one of them is looking through a window, just kind of making sure you're doing okay. You're in there for, what is it, an hour? Is that generally what you people do? So mm -hmm. at the retreat we did for 20 minutes, but I could have stayed in there. I could have fallen asleep and been in there for days probably. And uh, um, 
the the chamber is becoming pressurized. I think it was something like six, six. Uh, it was like like four and a half, like four, a little over four psi. Okay, so four psi, and the the chamber is being filled with oxygen, and it's directly kind of the, the, the increased atmospheric pressure around you, the, the multiple atmospheres or whatever whatever we're talking about there, is pushing oxygen directly into the tissues through everywhere from head to toe. So we're not relying on hyper-saturating the, the blood right. cells. We're actually pushing it directly into the cellular machinery, namely the mitochondria, I'm guessing, to drive right. the normal processes of the body. So we're not even really hacking anything here. We're actually just taking advantage of the natural physiology of how our cellular machinery works. Do, was that, is that a fair summary? That's exactly it. Yeah. So basically, you know, you know, at sea level where I am, there's a pressure of my atmosphere. That pressure gradient is what drives. So when I take a breath in and oxygen gets into my lungs, into my alveoli, there's a pressure gradient of oxygen. Right. It's higher in my lungs than it is in my capillaries. So oxygen moves from your lung to your circulation. And literally, it gets dissolved in the plasma, but as fast as it gets dissolved in the plasma, you have red blood cells swimming by, you know, that are deoxygenated right. from right. already delivering their oxygen. And they're just scooping out that as fast as you can bring oxygen in right now, as fast as you can bring it in, it's getting scooped up by a red blood cell to go get re-delivered. In this case, what we're really doing is we're, we're super saturating the plasma faster then the red blood cells can carry it. That's okay. So they'll get fully saturated. So if I'm 98% saturated right now, I can certainly get to 100% very easily. Mm. But, but because of the physiology of how gas exchange works in our body by that increased atmospheric pressure, driving more oxygen into the circulation faster than the red blood cells can even pick it up. It's basically, you know, plasma usually carries a very small amount of oxygen. Red blood cells carry almost all of it. And now the plasma is becoming a reservoir of, you know, this surplus oxygen that can now travel unbound by red blood cells, you know, throughout your whole circulation, be delivered at a even faster rate than the red blood cells could on their own. Right. Yeah. That, so, so right there. So we can apply that, that explanation, right, to any system whereby cells, which have mitochondria, Every cell except for red blood cells, I think, has mitochondria. So um, otherwise, the mitochondria would be, you know, respirating and the oxygen Correct. wouldn't get to where it needs to go. Um, so if we apply this, that understanding to virtually any of the processes I mentioned, right, which includes our endocrine system, which includes tissue repair, recovery from injury, recovery from birth, and everything in between, um, I think we could see a lot of good, you know, within the within the women's healthcare space. It's just not a technology that's been applied in that way, such that I can go and see, hey, here's a hundred thousand PubMed articles that show that this is good for postpartum care. Although I would like to be a part of starting to collect that data. I'm just going to throw that out there to all of the uh, the people with big money out there. Maybe we can get a study going. But um, um, Jason, before we kind of go into some of the you know, some more stuff. I, I totally want to get Melissa, you know, into the conversation here, but can you also address one thing everybody's going to be thinking about if they have any understanding of, you know, molecular biology is they're going to think, but if you blast all of your tissues with so much oxygen, aren't we going to get a whole bunch of free radicals? Isn't that going to lead to downstream consequences through oxidative stress? Can you just address that? Because you did it so eloquently and my, even my buffoonery 
was able to kind of accept it and <laughs> and understand a little bit. Would you mind just dress just addressing that? Um, sure. Yeah. Of course. So, I guess the way that it would be explained often, or the way you know, oxidation has gotten this, you know terrible name of this, you know, deviant molecule that destroys our cells. And, you know, we need to be pumping in all these antioxidants all the time because, you know, oxidation destroys us. These antioxidants quelch that. And that's how we sort of keep a balance of, you know, these reactive oxygen species inside of our body. I think the way that I can explain it best is to say there's a, there's a vast difference between when you're getting oxidized from the outside world in versus getting oxidized because of a natural response that the body is going through. In other words, uh, pick a few things, heavy metal toxicity. Um, I don't know what causes oxidation, uh, you know, poor diet, sedentary life. I mean, you, I mean, EMS, yeah, not sleeping enough. I mean, Whatever it is. So we're yeah. getting over oxidized because so we have let's let's say we have a a certain amount of intrinsic antioxidants, superoxide dismutase, catalase, uh, glutathione. So these are chemicals in our body that know that oxidation is a thing and their whole purpose in life is to inside your own body, make enough of that to deal with the oxidation. In your right. Body. Now, if we're creating too much input, we're exposed to so much outside of our body oxidation, then we're using up our internal, our endogenous uh, antioxidant responses. The difference here is that when you go into a hyperbaric chamber, you absolutely increase the oxygen in the body. As a result of the increased oxygen in the body, you absolutely get increased mitochondrial function. And as a consequence, which and an increased mitochondrial function, the reason for that is more ATP, more cellular energy. That's the, that's the good news. The mm-hmm. Potentially, what some people might say is the bad news of that is anytime you're burning more oxygen to make more energy, your body's going to release more reactive oxygen species. And so that's the question basically that you're asking me. And what I'm yeah. saying is that what's interesting is, and this, is, this particular thing has been uh, studied numerous times within hyperbaric, one of the benefits of hyperbaric oxygen exposure is increased superoxide dismutase, increased glutathione recycling, and increased catalase. And so the question is why? Well, if you're putting an outside source of oxidation into your body, all our body could do is sort of react to that. If you're creating your own oxidation, there's a whole signaling cascade to say, hey guys, I'm making more oxidation. I need more antioxidants. Mm -hmm. And so what happens as a result of normal chemistry, normal biochemistry, normal ATP production, and normal free radical um, release, the body says, I need to adapt to this. Therefore, I need to upregulate my own protective mechanisms. And so it's a, it's a big difference between just pulling on an existing sort of like I have a bucket, that's as much as I have, and as much as I need, I just pour it out. This is refilling that bucket Mm, constantly mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. the body is signaling that this is coming. It knows that it's coming and it's protecting itself from its own, uh, its own biochemistry. And so not only would it uh, apply to the excess oxidation from the hyperbaric chamber, but you know, it would also help fill that bucket for the other life oxidation that we're exposed to, to make sure that the body actually also has enough to, to deal with that. Yeah. 
So that upside down U curve that everybody looks at when, when we're talking about dose response, it's easier to stay on that curve if it's coming from a, if your body's doing the, the work itself, the work itself. It's, yeah. 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 Right. The horm that's like the hormetic, the hormetic curve, curve right? right? So not to go too, right. If, if you're getting too much oxidation, I'm not saying that taking antioxidants is a bad idea. And especially if you're well over oxidated and, or, or your body's not able to produce enough in the, in the state that it's in, that's perfectly appropriate to do that. But if we can stimulate it, like do a little bit of hyperbaric, a little bit of pressure, a little extra oxygen, it stimulates that response. And as you adapt to that, you stimulate it more. And then mm -hmm. as you adapt to that, you stimulate it more. And, and the more you have that back and forth and the more your body's upregulating its response, the more likely you're going to have a favorable outcome as far as that goes. And that's right. You wouldn't put a very over oxidated, pretty fragile, uh, patient, you know, at a hundred at, you know, hundred percent oxygen at two and a half atmospheres, mm. you could over oxidize them. And if you started slow and built them to that pressure, then they're probably going to tolerate it very well. In fact, then they're probably going to tolerate life, you know, life circumstances better yeah. too, because yeah. they're more equipped to tolerate the other sources. So, um, back to your first question, cause I, yeah. I didn't actually address some of the detail. So I'm happy to just maybe a little bit, like, you know, we were talking about hyperbaric as it relates to, you know, some of these women health issues. And so just from those handful of mechanisms that we were talking about, you know, let's say postpartum recovery, it really doesn't matter if it's, you know, a C-section or a vaginal birth, you know, in general, delivery is a traumatic event. Yeah. yeah. Um, Certainly there's different trauma in different locations at different uh, magnitudes based on uh, the delivery. But, you know, you could look at this as, well, if hyperbaric helps heal injuries, recover faster, right. you know, we use it pre and post surgery of all kinds uh, with great results. This wouldn't be any exception to that. This is, you know, tissue damage that needs to be healed much more quickly. If we can cut that by a third or cut that in half, especially for a mom who's now fully responsible of, you know, feeding and maintaining this completely dependent new life, you know, any amount of speeding that recovery, I think would be beneficial. Uh, when we talk about things like the endometriosis um, or, or the pelvic pain, similarly, you know, one of the mechanisms of hyperbaric is reducing inflammation yeah. and balancing hormones. And so if we have this method of uh, cell signaling that helps to bring inflammatory cytokines down, you know, balancing the inflammatory response in our body. And at the same time, it's not like it's going to increase serotonin or decrease GABA or it, it doesn't have a, a, like a medication effect on, yeah, right, on right. hormones or neurotransmitters, but it has a very balancing effect on neurotransmitters and hormones. And so, um, you know, when it comes to a lot of these hormonal imbalances, we can start to see some changes. There have been a few studies on um, uh, infertility specifically, just to get to that one. And, you know, partially this is going to be also, you know, depending on the reason, as you mentioned, there's so many reasons for potentially for infertility, but one being if we can, again, balance that inflammatory response Two, if we can balance that horm uh, hormonal response. But three, we were talking about excess oxygen increases mitochondria function, increases uh, basically cell or, or tissue type function. And so if, if we're having low functioning, um, let's say in my case, low functioning uh, testes that aren't producing, you know, high amounts or, or very active sperm, or 
vice versa, if we have ovaries that are understimulated, and so you know we're not having the, the proper response of egg release, uh, upregulating the energy by upregulating the oxygen yeah. and getting systems to function more healthy, more normally, um, we can start to see some of those responses. So there were there were um, about four studies that I found when you and I were talking on the literature search, and they were looking at um, what would what they were considering to be idiopathic infertility yeah uh for women specifically mm -hmm. um and they found a very favorable result uh, yeah. with hyperbaric in that case but i would argue that we often when we when we talk about fertility we often just go right to you know ovaries and you know the woman's side of the story and i would say you know as we all know it's yeah <laughs> it's two, it takes two to tango <laughs> uh, so you know same thing on on the male side uh, that has not been studied uh, sure. to the as much as if we needed to, but uh, I'm sure that we would find it if we did. Hey, very brief break here to tell you about our sh our sponsor, WaveBlock. They create these amazing little uh, stickers that mitigate the effects of radiation coming from Bluetooth devices. So. Think about how you spend your day, right? Most of us are listening to podcasts, music, etc. We put our little earbuds in from Apple. They cost like $7 million, right? Heaven forbid you lose one. But uh, you keep them close, right? You keep them close to your head, close to your brain at all day, you know, all day so you can stay up to date with your audiobooks and everything else. Well, they do emit radiation, right? They emit small amounts, but over time, that radiation can be harmful. Especially nowadays when we've got 5G towers everywhere everywhere, and we've got all this EMF coming from every source possible at all times. We're being bathed in it. Well, I, I remember in medical school, there were a bunch of neurologists that I remember asking them about this because I'd gotten my first smartphone when I was in medical school. And they were like, yeah... We don't really have any evidence, but do we recommend keeping a cell phone to your head at all at all times? Uh, you know, hell to the no. No, we don't. So there have been increasing warnings from our public health institutions, from the World Health Organization, that all of this EMF stuff is toxic. And as we increase the frequency through 5G and everything else, and increase the technology, the, the capacities for these Bluetooth products like our earbuds, you know, we're, we're being exposed to potentially harmful things. So enter WaveBlock. WaveBlock creates these little stickers that you can put right around the, the stock of your headphones. Also some stickers that you'll place right onto the backs of your cell phones in order to mitigate the, the radiation that's being emitted by these, by, these, uh, by these devices. So what I think is really important is as we start talking about EMF, everybody, you know, some people are like, we need to go back to more of a primitive, primitivistic lifestyle, right? Like forget your cell phone, go back to a flip phone, go, give up your phone altogether. Well, we know these are powerful tools. I certainly love being connected and having the ability to check email or listen to podcasts while I'm working in the yard or walking in the woods. And so I don't want to get rid of them, but I also don't want to be blasted with radiation all the time, right? So at WaveBlock, they've got the answer here for you. These devices were designed in LA where I did all of my residency training. I think I, I think they're very elegant. They're beautiful. We've got them on our earbuds now and on the back of our phones come in December. Um, you can go to waveblock.com to check them out. You can enter the code BELOVED for 10% off your sale. And uh, that should make a very, very nice Christmas gift for all the people that you love. Waveblock.com. Thanks for checking them out and supporting them. Let's get back to the show. So you guys have a book 
as well. And I would encourage everybody to get a copy. Oh, I think you guys are actually going to do uh, a little giveaway here. And I'll let you guys talk about that at the very, very end. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got one in my gift bag and I'm like halfway through it. But um, uh, it's it's just, I mean, it really kind of breaks it down. And so anybody out there who's who's uh, considering this, whether you're a man or a woman, I mean, of course, my specialty is working with women, but I also have male clients, some of which are dealing with some, you know, sperm motility issues and whatnot. And I would venture that they're probably going to have some benefit from just a month or so of use of, uh, you know, hyperbarics. I would just love to see these things being studied more, more specifically. You know, um, if you have a home, you, you can do uh, couples therapy inside the chamber. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, isn't necessarily a bad idea. Some, some intimacy training. <laughs> you can't get out of this chamber for an hour. You guys That's are going right. to talk it out. You're going to figure this out. And your gonads are going to be working better as a result for a variety <laughs> of reasons. <laughs> um, so you guys are both chiropractors. Melissa, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and you know what got you guys into this 14 years ago? I had no idea, by the way, that it was 14 years ago. I probably skipped that part in the book, but... Um, you know, it's on the next page. It's on. Oh, it's it's on the following page. Yeah, right. Um, how did you guys get into this? You know, what was it that that you know you did all this schooling? You guys are both doctors of of chiropractics, and um, yeah, just just I don't know. I'm curious. What kind of got you into this? Yeah. Well, you know, as chiropractors, we're very into the power of the body, right? So, like for those that don't know, really main thing about chiropractors is we follow the vitalistic philosophy, meaning our body has everything it needs to heal itself. And anytime it's not working efficiently, often it comes down to either toxicity, too much of something it doesn't need or deficiency, not enough of what it does. And so in general, as chiropractors, we really like to focus on just like giving the body what it needs, whether that's food, environment, nature, um, you know, supplements, movement, uh, you know, mind, body and spirit support. So we're not necessarily like by trade into a lot of uh, tools per se, but, um, we, you know, Jason had had a pretty major back injury. He was, uh, fixing the roof in our home. When we first got out of school, we were going to flip this house, uh, that didn't end up working out just because the housing <laughs> crisis, happened. but he hurt his back and he had some neurological effects down his leg and, you know, really our traditional therapies were doing a really good job, but, um, he had, you know, lack of feeling in his foot for six, eight months, a year later. And we were at a chiropractic convention and uh, he was kind of walking around the exhibit hall and he saw a chamber. He was like, hey, can I, you know, get in? Um, it's just kind of like a nice sensory deprivation too. Like oh, true. you kind of escape yeah. everything. You go in here and, you know, usually ditch your phone, right? So you just have some time away, which is nice. And he got out and he was walking around and he started feeling tingling in his foot, which he hadn't felt in a while. Obviously went back to the guy running the booth and was like, could this be what just did that? The guy's like, yeah, of course. Jay being kind of skeptical was like, Sure, of course you're going to say yeah, that. Yeah, but right. <laughs> the, the man encouraged him to try it throughout the weekend, and he did, and he got some pretty incredible results. Um, and so we ended up buying one there. We have some people in our family that we care about that have some neurological uh, conditions, MS, really bad MS, and some patients that we just, you know, we were like, let's see if this can just add to them. It's it's natural. It's oxygen, right? So it's just megadosing oxygen, just like. Sometimes we megadose vitamin C or, you know, other nutrition if we need to, to help us heal. And so it aligned with our values and philosophies. And we've just, you know, obviously we've been blown away by it. Um, we've pivoted our entire lives and careers, you know, into making sure that we help propel this field forward. Because what we notice very quickly is that one, many people don't know about it. 
Two, there's a lot of myths and misconceptions and misinformation preventing people from getting access. And I know we're going to talk about this, but particularly as a mom, and then after some of my really deep um, health struggles, I got neurological Lyme and we had three babies. Um, it literally saved my life. I have no doubt in my mind. Wow. And so we're just passionate. You know, people need to know more about this. There are not enough centers around. So we now focus on educating and training doctors and getting people to open centers and just helping people understand, you know, the value behind this therapy. Train me, train me. Um, <laughs> a little bird told me to Probably. tell you that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that I yeah. want to just add, like, that's sure. one of my favorite things about this uh, and that sort of philosophy of, you know, I, no matter what you're going in for, it's not like we can, you know, let's say we we're going to do stem cells or we're going to do, you know, it's often, it's like, okay, we're, it's in your elbow. So we'll put the stem cells in your right, elbow. Right, right, Cortisone, chayo, in your elbow, whatever it is. Like this helps a lot of these issues also. And it's not like we could put it where we want it. Mm. You have to lay in this thing. You have to relax. You have to breathe. As a result of breathing, you hyperoxygenate your plasma. As a result of hyperoxygenating your plasma, your body starts to direct all the oxygen, you know, like it does right now, That's ever, right. everywhere. And so, you know, it's interesting because you also see a lot of people go in for X, Y, or Z because they think that's the thing that needs to get better. And then meanwhile, they're seeing other changes in their life because it's going to go everywhere. Other things are going to be affected by that positively. And, you know, we see a lot of that from like a patient reporting standpoint. Yeah. Well, I mean, if even if you look at like a lot of common supplements, let's take iron. It's like the most common supplement that that most at least women are taking. Well, if yeah. you take iron in its like most inorganic form, it's just going to make your stools hard. You're not going to get absorption. You're not going to get the benefit of iron. It's not going to be incorporated into heme. But if you get iron or like, let's say any of the fat soluble vitamins or whatever else, get it from a food source, right? If you get it from meat or in the case of, you know, vitamin K2 is, is something the Weston A. Price Foundation is really, really big on. You get that from goose liver or beef liver or something like that. When you put it into the vehicle, your body knows how to use it. It's almost like you just give it to the body and the body knows what to do with it. You don't need to force certain right. cells to take up the nutrients that it needs. It's, it's, it's like a, it's a passive process. And I kind of see that the same way with, with, uh, with HBOT as well. Is it okay if I call body, it HBOT? Are we on like cool yeah, enough yeah, terms? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, you know, the body knows exactly. The body knows what to do with it. And, and it's coming from a natural source, right? You know, it's literally coming from air that we're breathing. It's just the pressure of it is just different. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I'll have patients and there's certain times when you hyper, like hyper dose certain minerals, there's like competitiveness and this blocks this, you have to take more of this and more. Yeah. But like for most people in general health, you know, what's the timing? Could I take this one and this? I heard they block each other. I'm like, would you ever think that like you were going to eat a salad and you have to eat the lettuce first, wait till that digests. And that has, you know, these, you know, sodium, potassium, <laughs> and then you can eat the carrot because that has vitamin A. Those are competitive. You would just put the whole salad together. You would eat the whole right. thing. Your body will figure it out. Right. The, right. The, the body is infinitely more wise than we will ever be, you know, and I don't think we need to rely on, <laughs> you know, out trying to outsmart it, you know, yeah. just kind of give it what it needs and let it figure it out. It's pretty capable. Yeah. Even like the term biohacking for me is like, okay, I understand what you're saying with that, but like the body is way smarter than us. Like we're not hacking anything. Right. We're actually just giving the body the tools. We're just giving it what it needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There's no <laughs> hack here at all. It's, it's funny though. Like, you know, um, in thinking about like what we do for our health, you know, we do a lot of things that 
right? Just pretty basic. Like we don't need to complicate it. So we eat clean most of the time. I also think there's harmony and balance and like letting yourself enjoy mm-hmm. for a little bit. So mm-hmm. maybe for me, that's a clean glass of, you know, a dry farm wine or something like that. Um, and then we, you know, get fresh air and we exercise and we do all those things. And then we do now, you know, dabble a bit in some of these biohacks. And it's so funny to me because it it shows up everywhere. It shows up in nutrition. It shows up in life. It's like we've come so far and we're so progressed. But really, when you go back to the most <laughs> basic basics, that's how we should live. And yeah. so that's what, yeah. you know, red light therapy does. It's it's sunrise and sunset and campfires like we are designed to be exposed to these light therapies and instead we're doing the complete opposite we're overdosed in blue light so if we could live the way that nature intended we wouldn't need any of these things and the reality is we don't you know we have jobs we have kids we have responsibilities and we have technology and those aren't bad things um and so we therapeutic dose you know some of these these light therapies that are really just about replicating nature's gifts in many yeah. cases. Yeah. So Melissa, did you use uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy for your births? Uh, Cause your kids are so, not very old, right? Yeah. So we have 11 right now. They're 11, nine and five. Okay. So um, you actually, so when we were, yeah. yeah. So when we were first getting into hyperbarics, we didn't really yet know, or, you know, weren't comfortable enough. Like I feel like just having babies was so new to us. There's so much um, that it was really with our third that we, um, immersed more with hyperbarics. So you know, do you want me to talk about? Our yeah, births? yeah, please. I, I understand you had at least one home birth, right? Yeah. So we had intended home birth with any of our children, uh, you know, just based on what we knew to be true and what was important to us, you know, just wanting to have the most hands-off process, someone there to make sure that we were okay if we needed anything, but that you know, this wasn't an emergency situation, so we didn't need to be in the hospital. And I felt the most comfortable in our home. Um, that being said, when I was 35 weeks pregnant, I went to go for a walk in the morning and my water broke. Whoa. And basically, you know, we did a check-in with the midwife and she was like, you're going to the hospital and you're pretty much going to walk into like intervention city. I don't have hospital privileges. I can't really be with you. Um, so wow, it was crazy. Like we didn't scary. even have a hospital bag so, packed. Yeah, it was so off our <laughs> radar so, of possibilities that yeah. we didn't even think that the midwife we were working with would have ever needed hospital privileges or yeah. like that was just, that, that could never have happened. But and it, it was did. funny that it, that that yeah. was true because I feel like we did do, you know, so much planning and so much research and so much, you know, studying about the body and contractions and surges and what the intention of those are. Right. You know, hmm. I talk a lot to my mom patients, like in a lot of cases, as we're preparing to have a child, we do more research into the safe family car or the best financial plan when you're having a family or the best car seat or the stroller, when really I think what's important to study is preconception health, right? So whether that's detox or, Mm. you know, supplements, you're really preparing a garden. And so you've got to work on getting the soil healthy. I love that. Um, and that was just one part we we just literally hadn't considered that she wouldn't have hospital privileges. God forbid we had to go there. Um, but, you know, so we ended up in Intervention City. I mean, literally from the minute we walked in, it was like monitoring epidural, pitocin, pitocin like it was just, All of the you things. know, crazy. And yeah. <laughs> thank God we had, you know, the knowledge and the confidence, because if we didn't, we would have just fallen right into that. It was like, all right, well, can we ask some questions here? Like... Mm why do we need to do that? And Mm. can we wait a little bit, you know, and thank God Jason 
really just took that off my shoulders and, you know, carried that weight and had those conversations so I could focus I on like being in my the body. bouncer at the door. Like, <laughs> what are you coming in for? What are you trying to do? And we need to talk about this before you do anything. Yeah. yeah. So that was really interesting. Was and um, <laughs> yeah. the whole postpartum part was really hard. And we were in the NICU for five days. And, you know, for a lot of people, the experience there may have felt really supportive. They wanted to feed my baby and check him and, you know, put him in a thing so I could rest. Like I didn't want that. I wanted to be on a chair with him and I had to fight for that. Mm. So I literally, I mean, I had some postpartum stress for sure. Some uh, PTSD for sure. Um, and the recovery was long and our other two were born at home. And I mean, you can't get more peaceful than that. Like it's hard. Labor is labor. I worked hard. I felt everything. I was surrounded by people that reminded me that what I was doing was exactly what was supposed to be happening. You know, anytime mm. I was vulnerable, I was like, what's going on? They're like, everything's happening as it should. <clears throat> Baby's okay. You're doing great. I felt like a goddess. I felt so inspired mm. and empowered. Um, and I remember once even feeling like I was going to be sick. And I was like, I just need to know why that would be a good thing. Like, get me through this. And they were like, it's exactly what your body needs to do. Your body's getting ready to push everything out and your baby's coming next. And I was oh. like, sweet. Um, <laughs> it's like a purge. And after we had our babies, I mean, we held them and I crawled in my bed. I had carrot cake and a beer and I took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was incredible. And, you know, our siblings all met one another in our bed. And mm. it was just so beautiful. And, Magic. you know, it, it felt like how it was supposed to be. I felt so supportive. Yeah. 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 We're pre so we're preparing for our first home birth. And I mean, this is coming from a guy who did all of his medical training at none other than Kaiser Permanente and where it is intervention city galore. Like it's, it's like 2.0 because they want to do more. Yeah. Right. Right. How much more technology can we throw at a totally natural physiologic process? That's really what my training was. And I, I learned very, very early on from people like you, who were in there and they were giving me a little pushback, like, well, you know, even asking that question of like, why do we need to do that right now? I don't know. Let me think on that. And I actually just did a, a, a video on Instagram about cognitive dissonance, right? Like a lot of us doctors know that this is not the way to do it. We know that. But from the cultural medical pressures to the medical industrial legal pressures to the just what you're ingrained with and what you're comfortable with. Like if you were trained that 60% of the births should be C-section, then you're going to see a nail with your hammer 60% of the time. So um, when you consider all those pressures, there's so many doctors and nurses alike who are, who are intervening in birth when they know that they shouldn't. Like they may have actually, they would actually probably want to do it differently if they were the one giving birth. But like this is just the way it goes, you know, and yeah, this is how we do it. And, and that sucks. It, it really doesn't allow you to be the goddess. It doesn't really support you, Melissa, in giving birth the way that your body wants to give birth. It's really, we're going to make you give birth the way that we most feel comfortable, which is on your back and your knees are pulled up to the ceiling lights and you're, right. you've very, got like, yeah, it's a, very, the, the traditional role is very doctor centered yeah, and the verbiage makes that very clear. Like, the do Delivery. doctors delivering my baby. <laughs> no, I promise you, I delivered that baby. <laughs> you caught the baby. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got in. I, I've been insubordinate my whole life, as you can probably imagine. And in residency, I remember saying, I remember correcting. <laughs> never correct your supervisor. It's just not the right thing to do. And they say, well, like, well, did you deliver room two? And I was like, well, she delivered it. I just was there. I happened to watch it come out and I, you know, I 
gave her the go ahead. And they were like, you, you need to be more active. You need to be more aggressive. And I'm like, do I though? Do I really? No. And, and like, you know, I didn't even practice for two years in the hospital after residency when I was like, I'm out. Yeah. We got to, we have to create a life raft, life raft where we can do this better. But that's not to say not everybody, you know, that, that some people shouldn't, you know, still rely on the hospitals. I want to make that very, very clear, but man, Absolutely. but birth is 99.9% .9 of births are taking place in the hospitals now. And we, I would love to see more young, healthy people, not even young, but like, like healthy people who have actually tended the garden, you know, they could be 45 and they have this beautiful garden, rich soil to use your metaphor compared to a 25 year old who hasn't taken care of anything in the garden. And, you know, um, and, and those people who've done that work, who've really prepared for the process, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever, um, I would love to see, yeah, I'd love to see more home births. And if we can get everybody, you know, some HBOT therapy in the home afterwards, heck, we could get them mm -hmm. back on their feet. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah I think yeah. things are going that way. You know, even when I first, honestly, when I first heard about home birth, I had these pictures of like women in colonial garb. <laughs> <laughs> like it just seems so outdated, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what people think about. And then, you know, it piqued my interest because so many of my professors at chiropractic school that had these amazing insights about the human body that I never considered. You know, I, I was raised in a way that I saw the body as parts. Yeah. My ear hurt growing yeah. up. Like I had an ear infection that had nothing to do with the dairy that I was getting that my body couldn't break down. Um, but you know, the more that we learned about it, it was like, of course, like I'm a healthy woman and these are the what ifs and these are how they'll be handled. And it was right. really neat because I started bringing my mom to our midwife appointments because she obviously came in, you know, with the same knowledge base that I started with. And she was like, I would have never realized it was this way. I wish I would have had home births. This makes so much sense. I can see that my daughter is going to be safe. Like she got to ask all the questions. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Like, it's not like people that have home birth just mm. are avoiding the hospital and like throwing right. caution to the wind. Like, we study and we know our bodies and there's things that we're, you know, paying very right. close attention to. It's a very safe, very, um, dare I say like monitored process, mm, you know, leading mm -hmm. up, if you're not a candidate for home birth, you don't have a home birth. Right. Right. Um, right. But if you're a healthy woman and you have a healthy pregnancy, there's no reason that you couldn't be in the comfort of your own home. Totally. I'm super mm -hmm. excited about it for, you know, my wife and I, it was kind of late in the game when we really decided it. And part of it was the COVID business, like swabbing while you're in labor and all that. But also it was more importantly, it was also like, wouldn't it just be nice to be able to get into bed and have our daughter there shortly after and have her meet her baby sister? And um, it just sounds like so much lovelier than the constant interruptions and the bright lights and the, yes, you yes, know, and yes. all of it. I remember leaving the hospital and like, I couldn't hear someone's text message bing because that was what I was surrounded by as I was trying to care for my baby and rest and recover wow. and wow. lights and people measuring you and weighing his diaper. And yeah, yeah. so different. Yeah, totally. Literally curled in bed and slept yeah. in my bed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, you're a, you're a gift to the, I think you're a gift to the women's health community. And I want to try to support you guys in every way that I can. Um, 
and I'm sure that we're going to be the same about you. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, right on. And I, I know that we're going to have a friendship that's going to grow for years. Um, for for people who are listening now and they want to reach out and check you out, I know you also have an offer. So talk a little bit about how, about how people can connect with you and 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 what friends yeah. of the show might might be able to take away today. Yeah, sure. So anyone wanting to know more about Hyperbarics, we made a YouTube channel. It's just literally HBOT space USA. Uh, And it's just short educational videos. I mean, we try to simplify some big topics. It's mainly Jason. um, But there's one in there on infertility. We try to upload them pretty often. So we have that platform. And um, also Doctors Saunders uh, is our other platform on Instagram. There's an underscore between the two. That's just more kind of fun. Like we show what we're doing, our traveling, our kids a little bit. We homeschool. We world school, actually, our three kids. So they're often involved in the mix. Did you say world school? World school, yeah. So it just means like you're barely learning in the home. We go out and about. Right on. Kind of what someone said to me that piqued my interest is they're like, your kids can either learn about Rome by reading about Rome or by smelling and sitting in the Coliseum. Hell yeah. So I like that. Yeah. So we take them on trips and we immerse them in the yeah, culture. Like a lot of pre-COVID, a lot of my travel for lecturing and, the, you know, I would just like kamikaze, you know, go somewhere, do my thing, come home. And now it's like all of us go. Yeah. I love that. We like a day or two on either end and we try to create like little family experiences around yeah. wherever that happens to be. And, and then leading up, we'll read about it. We'll kind of read about like the culture, the traditions. It's just neat. It's an experience. You think about the field trips that we all took growing up and those are the things you remember. Yeah. Like our, kid, our kids' curriculum is field trips. I love that. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm taking notes here. If you want to adopt <laughs> me, I'll totally sure. go on your family trips. If you need another, oh, if you need a, yes. an adult child. Yeah. Who's, yeah. Yes. <laughs> You guys were six. You were six whenever you gave birth to me. (laughs) Um, And then we want to make sure all your listeners too have uh, Jason's book. So this is like a really good kind of 101 behind Hyperbarics. And um, they can just email. I don't know if you'll link to this. Yeah, I'll link everything. Uh Okay, so they'll email our support team. And they'll make sure to get your address and any information they need and we'll ship it out to That's you guys. Amazing. That's such an, a very generous offer. So thank you guys. And thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to come on the show. Um, sure. I will be in touch very soon. Thanks again. Thanks yeah. for having us. And um, thanks to all your listeners. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nathan. We'll see you soon. Geez, what a gift. My job is literally to go around the world meeting interesting people who have novel solutions to some of our oldest problems, interview them, put them out into the podcast space, and just let the conversation begin. So thank you, doctors Melissa and Jason Saunders. If you're interested in more of their work, go to hbotusa.com. You can find information as to how to get one of these chambers, how to get their book. Um, if you write Jason an email, the, the email will be listed in the show notes. He'll send you a copy of the book. I just really, really want you guys to appreciate how, you know, in the traditional OBGYN practice, endometriosis is treated with surgery and with pills and infertility is treated with surgery and pills. You know, like uh, those are good things for some people, but what if we 
could do something more, right? What if we could look at this at the metabolic, the cellular level? That's where HBOC comes into play. So thank you guys for coming on the show and sharing that. Hope you guys will find them on Instagram, follow them there. Check out our sponsor, WaveBlock, at waveblock.com for some stickers to mitigate the radiation being emitted to your brain cells from your earbuds. Keep you listening all day without getting sick. And um, lastly, remember, this is a 501c3. We provide education to the masses here about women's health and alternative therapies through an allopathic lens, but I am not speaking with my doctor hat on. I'm speaking as an educator and a podcast communicator. And a lot of these therapies are not considered FDA-approved you know, uses for various things, although HBOT has quite a bit of evidence to suggest that it's uh, super, super safe and useful for all these things. But in general, this podcast should not be considered medical advice or uh, medical recommendations or replacement for the advice given to your doctor, given to you by your doctor. Um, and in order to keep the show going, we need we need support from people like you. So go to our Patreon page. It'll be in the show notes. And, um, you know, a monthly donation of one, five, ten, a hundred dollars, a million dollars goes a long way in trying to get this this show and the, the, the messages and the conversations with my guests out there into the space. So uh, my name's Nathan Riley. I'm the Holistic OBGYN. Find me on Instagram at Nathan Riley OBGYN, all one word. Um, I also have a practice website, BelovedHolistics.com, where I see people one-on-one, and I collaborate with midwives, doulas, birth educators. You can find all of that at BelovedHolistics.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Um, and I'm so grateful that you made it this far in the show. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time for episode 16.